You're now listening to the Tax Smart REI Podcast. Your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Having a good rental management software is essential for landlords who want to stay on top of their finances, save time, and reduce stress during tax time. Without one, you're reliant on outdated and error-prone processes like spreadsheets, paper receipts, and manual reconciliation. Who wants to do that? This can lead to compliance issues, overpaid taxes, expensive vacancy periods, or worse. Master your income and expense tracking with Landlord Studio today. Import transactions to quickly reconcile expenses, automate rent collection and income tracking, digitize receipts on the go, and instantly generate financial reports, including Schedule E, to make tax filing a breeze. Landlord Studio is much more than just a rental accounting solution, though. Take advantage of their range of property management tools from finding and screening tenants to managing leases and even tracking and managing property maintenance tasks. You can learn more about Landlord Studio and start your 14-day free trial at landlordstudio.com CPA. Use the coupon code REALESTATECPA at checkout for 25% off your plan. Again, that's landlordstudio.com CPA and use coupon code REALESTATECPA to get 25% off your plan and a 14-day free trial today. Rachel, thanks so much for taking time to come on the show today. Would you be able to give our listeners a brief overview of your background and how you got involved with short-term rentals. Yeah, absolutely. And first of all, I did want to thank you, Thomas and Brandon, so much for providing so much value to the community. We have learned about short-term rentals from the tax perspective and have made great strides because of the content that you all generously put out. So massive, massive thank you for that. I so appreciate you guys. Uh, So as far as my journey, um, started off actually after kind of walking away from paying off a boatload of student loans in retrospect. I think I would have done it a little bit differently, but graduated from pharmacy school, got my doctor, walked away. My husband and I, he's he's a psychotherapist. So with a whopping half a million dollars of student loans, and it was like a financial disaster. And so we moonlit, we worked our fingers to the bone to a crisp just to get these student loans paid off. And finally, when we're on the other side of it, we decided, you know what, we need to figure out the best strategy to leverage the income that was coming in. We had cut back a bit down to one job each, but still healthy income coming in. And we wanted to figure out how to invest in something that would pay us and not necessarily be a whole other job. And that's when we landed on real estate. We looked at, you know, cryptocurrency. We didn't understand that. (laughs) We looked at all the things that were the fad at the time. And this was just like three, four years ago. And so we landed on real estate, but we wanted to not buy ourselves into another job. And so we looked at syndications, we looked at long-term landlording, we looked at fix and flipping, you know, at the end of the episode on HGTV, you get a $40,000 plus check. I mean, how hard could that be? We learned really quickly (laughs) that that is not as easy as they make it seem. And so when we landed on short-term rentals, I realized you can get anywhere from 3X to 10X your monthly revenue as it related to long-term renting. 
And so we were all in on short-term rentals. And then we identified some of the best properties that were really generating the top income were the luxury short-term rentals. So I'm more of a minimalist where I look at how do I own and operate the fewest number of properties that generates the highest profitability. I have door envy, just like any other girl. Somebody comes in and say they have 100 doors. I'm all impressed. But their 100 doors and maybe my 20 doors, look... My 20 doors can most likely outpace their 100 doors when it comes to segmenting and niching into the luxury space where you're kind of in the blue ocean. You're not competing with anyone else. And so, yeah, luxury short-term rentals, that's kind of our journey. There's been a lot of bumps in the road, but that's pretty much how we got here. Now, you said that you didn't want to buy yourself into a job, but <laughs> managing 18 luxury short-term rentals, that sounds like a job. Tell me about how you uh, how do you manage those? Yeah. Oh my goodness. So of course it started with one, right? <laughs> and getting those systems dialed in, I had the great fortune of understanding how systems or being really obsessed with uh, building systems, studied traction, EOS, rocket fuel, you know, just the different business systems out there to start to identify, okay, who are the key players in the business that could help me to regain this time freedom? Because you're right, Brandon, I walked away, I was cutting back from, you know, working nine to five to working 24 hours a day, right? It didn't happen overnight. And so recognizing that my cleaners, some of those that were, you know, most into the business and with it, they could pick up on some more tasks and activities, you know, and they can generate more revenue by doing more, leveraging their expertise, their talent, their ability to be at the property and really understand the property. So just trying to make sure all the right people were in the right seats on the bus, you know, and ensuring that we're adding team members that are going to continue to add value. So for us, the cleaning team, the maintenance team, as well as the virtual assistant team, is how we're able to buy back our time freedom. Tell me a little bit about the virtual assistant piece. Are they managing your tenant communications and listings and everything? Yeah, they are. And so the way they're managing it initially is they would take all of our communications that we've had in the past and help us template them out. So I would say nine out of 10 the questions that are being asked have already been asked, right? There's usually that one out of 10 that needs to be escalated to me, something out of the ordinary. Oh, I forgot my gun. Can you mail it to me? Like that really happened? Your gun? No, we're not mailing it. It's called 911. So the virtual system will escalate that. I didn't see any responses to this type of question. I'm like, ah! <laughs> There's no response for that, except the police needs to come and help us find the gun and do what whatever they need to do. We're not mailing a gun to anywhere. So they'll escalate those off, you know, the wall things, but you would be surprised what a virtual assistant can do for you in terms of, I think we underestimate the amount of work that comes with running your STR. Like one day there was some type of snafu with the tech on Verbo's side, and it took three days of three hour calls in order to overcome that and get the guess what they needed financially, like there was a snafu. A virtual assistant can sit on those calls and help you out with that because you don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what, today I'm going to spend three hours with Verbo arguing with them for the next three days. That doesn't show up on an agenda. That's not an item, but these are the things that really occur in real life. And so to have a virtual assistant that has your back and can, you know, take that on and just update you, you know, every so often or ask you a question every now and then that helps a whole lot. It really reduces the brain space of having to deal with those types of things. 
Awesome. And how do you train virtual assistants? Because that's something that, you know, I, I think a lot of people struggle with is, you know, whether they're onshore, meaning in the US or offshore, I think people struggle with the virtual training of a virtual assistant. Like, how did you build systems? How did you train your VAs on those systems to help them operate more effectively? Yeah. And I'll start with how you don't train a virtual assistant because that's how I started. <laughs> I would start like in the beginning before I understood a little bit better. As soon as the virtual assistant would come on board, I would say to them, oh my goodness, thank goodness you're here. Help. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just help with everything. And it, it was a disaster. Poor them. You know, my leadership stunk. You know, I had no system that had nothing in place. I just needed them to read my mind and plug themselves in and help. And that does not work out. And so what we've developed, and even if it's a, I would say, grade B or grade C version of an SOP, start with an SOP. Okay. So we use our tool stack for our virtual assistant is good old Loom. You know, just like I logged in here with you, I can do a screen uh, recording. Okay, here's how I log into Zoom. First, you click this little icon down here, then you go here, and then you accept. And so I would walk through step by step by step what it was that I was doing in my business every single day. And each of those things, you know, whether it's a five-minute task or a 20-minute task, each of those recordings can, you know, live right there in the Loom library, whatever it's called. And I named them. This is how I respond to such and such guests. This is how I update a listing every February. I change it to Valentine's header every se- so disjointed. Like it was not from point A to point B. I just started to collect these videos. And before you know it, I had over 150 videos worth of training SOP, so to speak. And so that's where they were able to search for things to start. You know, they would search, okay, February, what do you do? You know, and I would pair that with some Google Docs where I would initially just have some frameworks of, okay, this is where you look if you're looking for this. This is where you look. And on the job training, as they're asking questions, we're getting a little bit better. As they're asking questions, we're putting, okay, we're putting this together. We're putting this together. I wish I had a nice big bow for my first VAs with like a big bow, put a, a playbook together and here you go, you know, like corporate. <laughs> I did not have that. So just start where you are is my answer. Now we have those things in place. And as a matter of fact, the VAs, they do loom better than me. They do PowerPoint better than me. They create bullet points. Well, you missed this part. Here's how you really do it. I'm like, okay, I, I see you. Great. <laughs> you know, so it's their responsibility to make it better. But they got like a shoddy framework to start, you know, and then you just improve upon the system as you go. So it's like you laid the foundation for the system and then they iterated upon it and they started making their own videos, kind of like spinning the wheel, teaching each other, if you will, how exactly. to do all this. That's awesome. That's exactly. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Switching gears just a little bit. So I know you mentioned you're in luxury short-term rentals, which sounds amazing. Sounds like houses you might want to stay at and stuff like that. But the question is, how do you pick your markets, right? Like, are you in one market? Are you in multiple markets? Like, what's it look like from that standpoint? Yeah, so I'm in multiple markets. The way we pick our market is we leverage 
whether it's articles, we leverage tools like AirDNA, DataRabu. If we identify, you know, some type of trend that's happening, we'll go and we'll look at that particular market. And if it makes sense for us, we'll invest that way. And that's how we landed. Or if we're like, we're like in a number of masterminds, my husband and I, if we hear, oh, you know what, I've got a property here, it's doing well, we'll check it out, you know? So it's like word on the street is, you know, this market is doing well, this market is doing well, we'll, we'll leverage all of that. But that's the initial step. We go really deep into the numbers. We really deep dive into numbers. I love data analysis. I'm a spreadsheet jockey. You know, I go all in on the numbers, looking at different scenarios, looking how realistic some of that data out there is versus it's like, okay, that doesn't make sense. Even reaching out to some homeowners in the area to get a good gauge. So our markets are Georgia, where we live. I live in Georgia. There's a suburban area here that has served us really well. A nice area, A-plus schools. And this is an area we actually serve the movie industry. The Hollywood of the South, Yollywood, I think is what they're calling, <laughs> calling us here, uh, as well as the insurance guests is another avatar. So those insurance policy holders who uh, require midterm rentals for whatever reason, we've been able to uh, serve them because they're displaced and their homes are not habitable any longer. But these are individuals whose homes are like, you know, million dollar homes. And so our homes, although we didn't pay a million dollars for them, but they're going to be similar enough to their standard of living that we get contacted by the insurance to host, you know, these higher cost of living type of guest avatar. Another market that we're in is the Poconos of Pennsylvania. So again, looking for that gross ROI, looking for a good deal, we were able to find some really good deals. Um, and we're building in Rosemary Reach, Florida. So we have a house under construction there. Another area that we personally, we loved to visit and we found kind of a community there that we really liked. And we started to seek out realtors to provide leads to us. And so that's pretty much, so it's things that we like, places we would like to visit, as well as places where there's a gross ROI that meets our needs. Love it. Love it. The numbers perspective of it. Definitely a great strategy <laughs> there. So with, with being in different markets, uh, we've asked this to a previous guest as well. We'd love to get your take on it. How do you manage these properties from the different markets? I know you have the VA, but uh, do you have different teams in these markets? Like how does this all come together to really streamline it so that you're not you know, spending a significant amount of time trying to manage the sprawl of your investments, if you will? Yeah. So I have a pretty robust team that is local in the Poconos. And of course, the team in Poconos can't clean the Georgia houses. So you're going to have a different setups and a variety depending on that specific market. So what I have found is in that some of these mountain type of rural markets, there's a whole different demographic there. And there's a whole different way that you would need to set up that team in order to make it make sense. Okay. So that team is going to be more of a dedicated team. We like the larger homes, five plus bedrooms. So we have dedicated team individuals who are working quite a bit for us and not necessarily having a lot of time to work for other short-term rental hosts. And so we, we like to keep them busy. And of course, like I said, uh, having the right people with the right skill set, some of them turns out so-and-so 
knows how to pressure wash and they're really good at it, you know? And so they're cleaner by day and a pressure washer on a quarterly basis, right? So that's another uh, attribute of having some of these team members. So we do like to leverage their talents to do other things as well. So that's the makeup of that particular market because we have multiple properties there. In the Georgia market, since it's a little bit more I wouldn't call it metro, but it's metro-esque compared to like a big mountain market. So it's suburban. Uh, we're actually leveraging apps like Turnover B&Bs as well as a Thumbtack to leverage our cleaners. We have three properties in the Georgia market. So not as many and the turnovers aren't as quick. So we don't necessarily have to have a big dedicated team there. So it really depends on the amount of properties you have in a market, how you build out that team and the structure of that team as well. The virtual assistants, they're virtual, so they cover all the markets and they really are the point of communication for everyone everywhere. They understand how the properties are set up and who to call when they need, whether it's a vendor or a cleaner to support them. That makes a lot of sense. So, you know, I know you mentioned before that you love having, you know, 18, 18 units. I think you you mentioned you had, or maybe it was 20. Where do you go from here? Is it like a goal number that you have in mind or a cash flow number that you have in mind or revenue number? Like, how do you know when I guess enough is enough or is there ever enough? Yeah. Yeah. There is for me, I actually, I'm down to 17. I was up to 22 at one point. I'm down to 17. So for me, it's, like a balancing act, right? So I had a few properties. I would call them my tr- tr- uh, troubleshoot children, trouble children. Oh my goodness, my words today. So my trouble children, um, while the market's hot, I offload them, you know? I say, okay, let me sell these off, you know, storing up some cash. I'm building one. So I'm down to 17, but I'll be back to 18. But enough is enough. <laughs> I am purely content with uh, the portfolio that we have. We actually own eight of them and we're managing, I say 18, three of them, my sons are my son's arbitrage units, by the way. And then I'm I'm co-hosting a few. Yeah, at 14, he was like, okay, so you pay this, but then other people are paying you this. I need to get into this. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so he got the bugs So he has three arbitrage units, but it's under mama's name. So I claim that they're three rentals, homes that he's renting for his his own cash flow situation for his first car and all of that. But um, I'm co-hosting a few as well. So yeah, I'm at capacity. I'm completely happy where we're at right now. Uh, once we get this beach house, I'm going to be super excited about that. If uh, later future state for me is leveraging 1031 exchanges to getting bigger and better. So getting like, I'm like tier seven on the beach, like Rosemary Beach is super expensive. Then, you know, moving down to tier four, tier three, tier two, tier one, that's the goal. Or just kind of keep repositioning the portfolio, the older homes, flipping them to newer homes, you know, getting that revenue and then flipping them to newer homes. Because with STRs and short-term rentals, having a newer property really helps with, you know, the capital expenditures. You have less repairs, most of the time, newer homes can be a little dicey, but you have less repairs, less issues, less complaints. And so definitely that is the move. I'm not looking to expand into many more properties, just you know, looking to get better, bigger and better properties, so to speak. That makes a lot of sense. You know, that's not something we hear too often. It's always more and more and more on the numbers side. And to your point, and this this may be eye-opening for some people who are listening, it's not always <laughs> about how many units you own. It's about 
the revenue and the cash flow that you're able to generate. And if you could keep trading up to more and more bigger luxury units, mm-hmm. I mean, those going to command more rent, which is revenue and uh, hopefully more cash flow and everything like that. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from Relay. If you invest in real estate and manage properties, then you need banking that's truly built for your business. With all the bank accounts you have to manage for your properties, account minimums, overdraft fees, and issues connecting to accounting software like QBO or Landlord Studio, things can get extremely complex. This is why I recommend Relay. Relay is an online banking and money management platform that is perfect for real estate businesses. First, there are no accounting fees, no overdraft fees, no minimum balances, which means you get to keep more money in your pocket. And Relay goes beyond just the basics of banking to help you understand precisely what you're earning, spending, and saving. You can get up to 20 checking accounts to organize and allocate income for things like day-to-day expenses, investments, or taxes. And if you have multiple properties set up with multiple business entities, Relay lets you open unlimited accounts and access everything from one single login. Best of all, Relay makes bookkeeping speedy by giving you extra detailed transaction data and directly syncing back to accounting softwares like QuickBooks Online and and zero. It only takes 10 minutes to apply for a free Relay account, and you can do that online by going to www.relayfi.com slash the real estate CPA. Again, that's www.relayfi.com slash the real estate CPA. Head and check that out, but right now we're gonna get right back into today's episode. I know you mentioned before you had some trouble properties, and obviously yeah. not everything is all roses when you're dealing with, with any type of rental property, especially mm-hmm. short-term rentals. So do you have any horror stories or any any particular stories that stuck out to you where you had a lot of learning lessons that might be able to help someone else who's perhaps, you know, thinking about getting the short-term rental game? Yeah, definitely. So as far as the trouble properties, what's been great is as, as long as you have really good guest communication, you can survive uh, a lot of the trouble properties. And so, but you realize that the same reoccurring repairs are needed and it's not quite where it needs to be if it needs an entire renovation for whatever reason. That's what I was running into. Okay, do I pour in more cash to renovate or do I cut my losses? You know, with STR, I mean, we still made quite a bit of revenue and walk away and move into, you know, building or doing something newer. So overall, with the guest communication, having that in place is really going to save your bacon when it comes to running into issues because you will run into issues. You will always run into issues. You know, no one is going to be immune to that. But my biggest lesson was when a optional homeowners association which I didn't know was a thing. We purchased a property in a neighborhood that had an optional HOA. And so we were like, oh, great, we're opting out. (laughs) Apparently it doesn't really work that way. And so our neighbors were not a fan at all of us having STR in that particular neighborhood. Uh, The entire environment, it was kind of um, the atmosphere of a lot of retirees though. And I get it, right? They just want to be retiring, sitting on their lawn, just counting their grass. All right, I'm here. I see you. Enjoy cutting your grass. And any disruption from that to them was a big affront. And so, oh my goodness, it was back and forth with some of the neighbors. We actually lived a few neighborhoods away. Someone had skipped, traced me, was knocking on my door at four in the morning. One of the neighbors, it was in Thing. And that's when I was like, okay, you know what? The anxiety of this property is just not worth it. And so we sold it prematurely. My husband didn't care. He was like, sounds like a them problem, but you know what? I just could not, I didn't have the fortitude for it, so to speak. I was not going to fight it out. 
You know, I wanted both my neighbors to be comfortable and my guests to be comfortable, you know? And so having the neighbors leering at them. So for those of you who are thinking, you know what, I'm just going to move forward with that kind of situation. It's not fun for your guests either to have the neighbors peering at them with like binoculars and leering at them. It's not a good experience both ways. So I would totally advise against this. So I my mantra is just say no to HOAs. My only exception is if you are purchasing probably like in a resort type of area and you can clearly see the HOA fees are going towards, you know, very fabulous amenities, right? But I always tell my students to say no to HOAs because when you have the HOAs, you know, this like a board of people who are just sitting there looking at rules and looking at rules and making sure that, you know, everyone's following the rules. If that's the type of HOA, it is just walk away. But on the other hand, I do have one property that we're building that's in an HOA and there's pool, tennis, a tram that takes you to the beach, a wave pool, a boat slip. Those types of HOAs make sense. And then 50% no, 60% of properties within that community are short-term rentals. So that two things have to be true. There has to be great amenities and greater than 50% of those properties within that community are STR. That's the only way I will invest in a community with an HOA. Other than that, I want nothing to do with it. It's not even worth it. It is not worth it. So that is my horror story. <laughs> I hear you on the HOAs. That's, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever had a good experience with an HOA. But Tom, you... You're looking at coming to still looking to move to Raleigh, folks. <clears throat> We've been doing saying this on the podcast. You've been looking to move to Raleigh now for what three years? No, 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 what? folks. folks <laughs> I've been looking. I've been looking. I've been. I've been keeping an eye, and just very few properties that are actually touching. You know, tickling my fancy. So that's <laughs> narrator. He says that every time. <laughs> yeah, no, but in terms of HOAs, I wouldn't mind an HOA. They take care of a lot of stuff for you when you're looking at it from a owner occupied standpoint. They do take yeah. care of a lot of stuff, but I guess there could be downsides to that too. But anyway. I, dig- I digress. I digress. <laughs> well, I appreciate you sharing all the general tips and tricks and best practices. Any closing thoughts that, that you want to share with maybe anybody that's kind of like hearing your story and they're like, man, I was thinking about just short-term rentals. Now I'm thinking about luxury short-term rentals. Any tips, words of wisdom to kind of get into the space? Absolutely. So when it comes to luxury, especially the modern luxury travel avatar, they're not your grandmother's luxury. They're not looking for gold-plated doorknobs. They're not looking for gold toilets. It's not that. So let's go ahead and reset your expectations. What the luxury traveler is looking for is a phenomenal guest experience, phenomenal guest communications, as well as convenience, okay? So if you're able to curate a space where you knock those out, you can potentially market your property as luxury. So if you could give them a good experience where they're connecting with nature, they're connecting with the community where they're living like a native, whether it's putting together a little recipe for, you know, with a crock pot for a local dish that is popular, just to get them to get that feeling of what it means to be in that specific community, the Instagram luxury traveler, the millennials, that's what they're looking for. They're not looking for, you know, a place filled with chalksies and stuff, right? So really, again, my approach, less is more, less is more, right? But if your communication is dialed in, you're able to offer, you know, here are the top restaurants. And if you have your guidebook, you know, to kind of usher them through the journey of staying in your space, that is what 
that travel looks like, that luxury travel. Of course, there are things you put in properly. Of course, a king-size bed is obviously the luxury travel size bed and well-designed spaces, you know, a fully equipped kitchen with all of the great cooking tools, a nice blender, you know, our like ultra luxury, we have luxury and then we have ultra luxury. We'll have like Vitamix blenders. Everybody else gets a ninja, that kind of thing. So those things as well. But if you could really get the communication dialed in, if you could get the home tech dialed in so that check-in is easy. The luxury guest does not wait to check in. They know like when it's time, let me put in my code, I'm in. If they're fumbling around with the key, that already like puts your luxury experience like down the tube. So definitely these are things that you can do. Some of these things do not have to cost a lot at all. It's all about really having a system in place and dialing it in. I got I got one more question before yeah. we do our final question. <laughs> but, so I love you, it. You mentioned before that you had that one property in that community and they didn't, mm-hmm. you know, the, the HOA didn't work out. You know, have you since gravitated towards only vacation rental markets or are you are you still investing in or still seeking to invest in markets that that are more residential in the sense that like people live there in uh, in that neighborhood or community like year round? So I look at both. I just look at the numbers really. And so I do have parameters and data points that I look at when I'm looking at a property that is within a neighborhood, quote unquote. I will, if I'm looking at it from a Zillow or, or Google search perspective, if I can't get to the property, I'll I'll do a walkthrough, you know, like your virtual walkthrough to see what the neighborhood looks like. I'm looking at positioning of the other homes. Like I'm so into it, I would prefer something on like an acre and a half of land. Half an acre is the smallest amount that I would purchase on if it's going to be in a residential community. Okay. But of course, this goes without saying we've already checked regulations. All of that is okay. Right. So listeners, we've checked regulations all as well. But other than that, I look at, you know, how the homes are positioned around that particular property to ensure that there's some elbow room that, you know, we are not necessarily secluded, but we have the privacy on that property. And so that's something that's really important to me as well. And then from um, just an aesthetic perspective, there's one thing that I feel if you're going luxury, one thing that I feel just really you cannot overcome when it comes to setting your property up as a luxury. I think there's a lot of leeway. You can do a lot of things to a lot of properties. But if the entire area is, I would say, challenge and if it gives the feeling of being unsafe or dangerous, there's nothing you can do to market that property as a luxury property. But if the property is meh, you know, it's well manicured, the whole neighborhood seems quiet or you can really spruce it up, leveraging your local small businesses, you know, having, you know, restaurant menus and just kind of creating experience. It's it's your own creativity that you can place on that property to enhance it into a luxury stay. So I did want to add that. Did I answer your question, Tom? <laughs> no, you did. You did. You, okay, you good. Answered you answered it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so now for our final question. So I know that you have a Facebook group where you help people, I guess, invest in, in luxury rentals. Where can our listeners find that Facebook group? Yeah, I actually have a freebie that'll lead you to the Facebook group. If it's okay if I share it real yeah, quick. Absolutely. So I'm a numbers girl, like I said a little bit earlier. So I have a resource, 75gems.com. If you go there, uh, it's 75gems.com. So I curate a list of the top 75 cities with the highest profitability each year. So this is my 22 list 
we're refreshing it, you know, quarterly. And so this is where I'm looking at to invest next if I find a good deal. Uh, and so I get that question all the time. Where should I invest? How can reach it? Where should I invest? Well, that's what I'm looking at. And I'm sharing it with your audience today. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's 75gems.com. We're going to go ahead and leave that in the show notes for anybody who wants to check that out. Now, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show today and uh, looking forward to putting this out there. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes and with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.